day 90. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so Psalm 17 through 20. Uh, these are some of my favorite Psalms, especially Psalm 18 and Psalm 19. And so it's a lot of ground to cover today. Um, so we're just going to jump right in, right? So remember, we're talking about the Psalms. The Psalms are the Christian, uh, historically have been the Christian and Jewish prayer and praise book, right? Where we have these five books and we have a variety, a litany, uh, amalgamation of situations that the psalmist is going through. And he is crying out to God in frustration at times, or he is praising God. He's thanking God as a variety of different Psalms, but they're all testifying to the, to the uh, kingship and the rulership of the God of Israel. So Psalm 17 comes and we see this psalmist calling out for protection. Protect me as the pupil of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who treat me violently, my deadly enemies who surround me. Um, he uses these figures of speech to express his vulnerability, right? And the images are dope, right? So he's talking about, yo, this is the way... Um, you know, he says, protect me as the pupil of your eye, right? Like if we think about the way our eyes are explicitly and overly vulnerable, we'll get what he was saying. A speck of dust can take the mighty among us, right? And bring us low. And so he's like, hey, God, protect me as if I was that vulnerable. Uh, he says, hide me in the shadow of your wings. And David is not just talking about folks who want to fight him, but folks who want to kill him. Right. And much of the Psalms, much of the lament Psalms that David will express, especially in the first uh, few books of the Psalms, the first three books, he's going to be under the threat of persecution. And many of us who are listening to this, and I want to assume everybody, but many of us are not facing physical persecution. So it's really hard to imagine. But for David, this was a reality. And this is a re reality, too, for much of the church throughout history and for many of our brothers and sisters today and what makes it especially uh troubling for david is that he hasn't done anything to deserve it right he asserts his innocence in this situation and by the end we see that david is not only one hear this who calls on god for his protection but he knows that the best thing for him is god's presence right that nothing not even death itself can take god's presence from him he ends this way but i will see your face in righteousness uh when i awake i will be satisfied with your presence psalm 18 psalm 18 is this royal psalm so remember the psalms have these different genres right so psalm 18 is a uh royal psalm or a kingly psalm and it comes in the context of a military victory right the psalmist is praising the lord for deliverance from the oppression of his enemies and in particularly this is david talking about saul and his armies right and it's a very long psalm so we won't uh hit everything in it but i love what he says in verses in verse two he says um the lord is my rock my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, where I seek refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Um, aside from him using a ton of metaphors to describe who God is for him, right? The thing I was struck by in this text, at least right here, is the word my, right? He shows this personal possession, right? That he has of God. He is God and God is his. Now, remember in the Old Testament, um, especially um, in the time of David, um, authors employed the word salvation 
and they usually meant this military victory where God saved them from their enemies. So for David to use these terms, it wasn't him just saying God saved some random old Joe. He was saying God saved someone who is his, right? And it was a battle. It was a victory where the Lord had fought on his behalf. And one of the biggest comforts, uh, you know, I think that David shows us we can have in this life is that um, believers shouldn't just know who we are, which is good, but we should know whose we are, which is the best thing in the world, right? And he's going to use uh, uh, th that possessive language um, to describe the victory that the Lord has won on his behalf. And from there, he'll go on to speak of the odds that were stacked against him in battle. Verse four and five, the ropes of death were wrapped around me. The ropes of Sheol entangled me. And he mentions that he cried out to the Lord and he came down. So it's so good right here. I love this because David will go on to proceed that God came and revealed himself on earth through natural phenomenon, right? An earthquake, a consuming fire. Look at the text of uh, Psalm 18, uh, a fire storm, like all these things. And it's interesting that all throughout the Old Testament, God is using, hear this, the created order to reveal himself. And we can peek ahead to the New Testament. It's so good. The Old Testament was anticipating everything that is going to happen to, in the New. And we can see that God didn't just use the created order to reveal himself. He assumed the created order to reveal himself, right? Um, he becomes a creature, right, in the incarnation, in the person and work of Jesus Christ, right? And what's dope here is that he, he looks back to all of these earlier parts of biblical and redemptive history with the burning bush at Mount Sinai, with the wilderness wanderings. And we see uh, more than anything, God condescends. God has to come down. He has to uh, uh, traverse an infinite landscape, <laughs> to put it one way, right? He says in verse 16, he reached down from on high and he took hold of me. He pulled me out of deep water. God in humility comes down to rescue us if you will, and to bring us up. And it's so funny, um, you know, this psalm is just so good. He has so much. And David, man, the beauty of this psalm, uh, you know, for David's salvation, ours, is that um, in his victory over his enemies, it was the Lord uh, who gave it to him. It was God's gracious gift to help lead to his rescue. And I love at the end, he talks about the foreigners submitting to me and cringing, right? Foreigners lose heart and come trembling for their fortifications. And in the context, you know, we can look ahead once again to the new covenant, to the New Testament, when the Lord Jesus comes. And um, what happens in the New Testament is that the Gentiles, the nations, the foreigners actually come into covenant with the God of Israel, right? And they come to serve the Lord's anointed or the Lord's Christ. Right. And so what we see as a foreshadow here in the time of David, where these foreigners are submitting to him, we'll see uh, on full scale. Right. With the Lord Jesus, where Gentiles like us can come and worship the Lord, our God. And at the end, he ends with praise in praise. As we know, as we said before, praise is the proper fitting and only response when and only when you understand the gravity of the problem. David understands that he was in a battle that he couldn't win. And that he needed God, his king, to provide the victory. Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is, 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 <laughs> Psalm 19, bro, is probably one of my favorite psalms in the Psalter, right? Psalm 19 and Psalm 119, interestingly enough. Um, and the, the symmetry of Psalm 19 is so neat and clean. The theology, the poetry, 
it makes it one of the uh, most memorable and richest as well. And the whole point of Psalm 19 is this. Nature, hear this, in Scripture are two books that reveal one God. Right? Nature and Scripture are two books that reveal one God. And what happens is this. That word reveal. God reveals himself to humanity through what he's uh through through nature and through scripture and revelation it's, it's this word called revelation revelation is god's self disclosure by which he makes himself known right so that humanity would know him and love him right and this psalm is literally spit down the middle which is speaks away god reveals himself in the first six verses uh, uh, with general revelation, he reveals himself through what he's made. And in the last eight verses is how God reveals himself through special revelation, right? Through God, uh, God reveals himself through what he's, uh, written, right. And what he said and the difference between the two. And I'll run through these quick is the scope, the medium, and the mode of reception, the scope, the medium, the mode of reception, general revelation, spe special revelation. The scope of general revelation is universal. It's inescapable. This is why he says in verse four, their message has gone out to the whole earth. In other words, what he's saying is this, fam, God has revealed himself in the created order and it is universally known and inescapable, inescapable by all humanity. That's why Paul in Romans chapter one will say that everybody's without excuse because God has made himself known. <laughs> Everybody knows deep down, even if they suppress that truth and unrighteousness, that he exists right so that's the scope of general revelation the medium of general revelation is god's works of creation right all of this is seen as the psalmist says in god's works he uses the metaphors to talk about the sun and the heavens and the way they declare the glory of god right and what he does is this he says fam all of creations comes all of creation in a sense comes to a place of self-realization by doing the very job the creator gave it to do which was to reveal the creator right all of creation declares and proclaims god's glory and then finally so that's the medium so the medium is the things he's made uh, uh the scope of general revelation is um, um universal and the mode of reception is reason and the natural faculties of perception. God has given us reason, right? Uh, that says to us, the very fact that creation exists means there is a creator. The last eight verses, special revelation. Special revelation is, uh, uh, the scope of special revelation is specific. God reveals himself specifically to, to specific people in uh, uh, at particular times, in particular places through his words, right? And, um, you know, there are things that God says in his words that can't be known just by looking at the world, right? We can't look at a tree and understand that Jesus Christ came to die for our sins. We can't look at a tree and understand that God is uh, uh, a trinity. We can't look at the tree that and see that Jesus Christ uh, was born of a virgin. God had to reveal those things through his word. That's the scope of general revelation. It is specific. The medium of special, excuse me, that was the scope of special revelation. The, the medium of special revelation is God's words, right? So we already said this, that God reveals himself through his specific words, not just his works, right? And this is what the psalmist gets at in the back half. He says, the instruction of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy. The precepts of the Lord are right, right? The commands of the Lord is ready, right? The, um, uh, the ordinance of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous he asserts something about them and that they do something to us right and so the mode of reception so you got the scope uh you have the scope 
um, um, the medium <laughs> and the mode of reception. The mode of reception is faith. We have to believe these things by faith. It is not just reason that will be enough for us, for us to take hold of God's special revelation and for it to change our lives. And what I want to say is this, Christians, listen, Christians must be ardent and deep and astute studiers and learners of the word, absolutely, and the world, right? The word and the world. And I think we don't read both nature and scripture in there, two books that want to reveal the one God, right? And we should always use the word as a lens to interpret the world, but realizing that both are necessary to an adequate knowledge of God um, is primary for us as Christians. Psalm 20, may the Lord answer you in a day of trouble. May he send you help from the sanctuary. May he remember all your offerings. May he give you what your heart desires. Over and over, the congregation starts this psalm. So this is a corporate psalm where the people of God are singing may, may, may. And this is basically an expression of will, the people speaking to and for the Lord. Um, and they're asking the Lord to do something on their behalf, right? They're asking like, Lord, do this for us. And he says this in verse six. Now I know that the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with mighty victories from his right hand. And it's so interesting that the word he's going to use here for the anointed, right? The Lord gives victory to his anointed. This is so good. The word he uses for anointed is Mashiach, right? It's uh, the Hebrew word for Messiah. And immediately it referred to David in the Old Testament because he, uh, as the kings were anointed with oil and he was the anointed one of the Old Testament. But it pointed forward. It pointed forward to the Messiah, who is Jesus, the Christ, right, who the Lord gives this victory to. And the psalmist is calling out here um, in a day of trouble. He's like, Lord, I need your victory. And what we have as Christians on the backside of the cross and resurrection awaiting the second coming is the Lord Jesus who has accomplished his victory over sin, Satan, death, hell, the grave, whole nine yards. And uh, um, we can pray this prayer um, in expectation and hope that he will come again to not bring wrath, but to bring salvation. And it's so funny, man, that um, that the king, you know, in the Old Testament embodied the people. So if the king won a victory, the people won a victory. And for us, it's the same thing now, right? Jesus has won this victory. And so for us, that means we have won the victory as well so nothing can hold us back so today if sin is bothering you if the world is bothering you if the flesh is bothering you just remember that jesus because of the victory given to us in christ we are victorious and so verse 7 is going to end and say hey some take pride in chariots and others take and others in horses but we take pride in the name of the lord our god nothing on earth can save us but one and this is the one we put our pride and put our hope in pray father we ask for your grace we ask for your mercy we ask that you will call to mind the things we've rehearsed today i pray lord that on this uh resurrection good friday resurrection sunday uh weekend lord we will praise your holy name uh, and that we would uh, rejoice in your victory for us as well.